This is a KSHSAA production. 20 seconds remaining, and now a steal here in the backcourt, and a dog! Two-handed stuff! Matt Jones! Exclamation point on this one! Block down to the other end, misses, shot won't go up the gun, and Eudora comes from way behind and goes crazy. Hello and welcome back to the Keisha Podcast, uh, episode two here for you. And before we get into the the guts of the episode, I just wanted to make a few announcements. Um, obviously, you found the podcast on our website uh, or you've subscribed to it on iTunes, which is now available. And Android devices also have an application that will allow you to subscribe to podcasts as well. So it's out there on many different forms of media. Um, also, around the association of few news-worthy uh, notes, um, we know that uh, officials rules meetings and tests and for coaches as well have wrapped up online and, and we know that there were a few issues for some people taking those and attending them to get credit. We, we appreciate everybody's patience and calling in to work with us as it is a new application that we're using for the association. We believe that in many ways it has corrected past problems when it comes to receiving credit or even now with the InfoWave application, you can take it on your phone, your tablet, uh, many different forms and browsers, as opposed to the old software of which that was not capable. So we, there are a lot of positives that we have experienced, and we, with that, we know that there are some growing pains along the course. So we appreciate it being patient, and we'll get that all squared away for when the winter activities begin. Uh, looking ahead at the calendar here, we see that uh, as today, as I'm talking, the first football Friday is tonight. And then next week, we have the early season boys soccer invitational week, and that will run September 8th through the 13th. The following week, we have our first executive board and board of directors meeting of the year, and that will be September 16th through the 18th. Look forward to the minutes on our website for those so you you can see what the board has talked about. All right, a little preview as what's to come here on episode two. We will sit down with Joanna Chadwick of the Wichita Eagle and VarsityKansas.com to talk about fall activities in Wichita. And we'll sit down with our featured Keisha official, Klaus Kolmai, a soccer official of 25 years. And then we also sat down with Cheryl Gleason of our Keisha staff to talk about volleyball and KAY. Let's jump right into our Kansas media segment of the podcast. And today we have Joanna Chadwick joining us. Joanna, welcome to the to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited that you guys are doing this. Yeah, and I know last week we had an exciting event down there in Wichita at the AVCTL Media Day, and it is something new that they wanted to, to start up for the media in the area and, and the, the teams to all gather in one, one spot. So uh, tell us what that was like for someone like you trying to get as much information as you can as the season starts and the experience of the day for you. Well, you know, I thought it was a really great idea, and they did it really well. You know, they brought in some mascots. They had athletes. And for me, it was especially nice because, you know, there's some schools in the AVCTL that we cover but that we, we don't get out to get their photos. So for me, I could get video. I could get photos. That was really helpful. And also it was just kind of meeting and connecting with those people that you don't normally see, maybe the golf coach from a school that – you just don't see in competition as much. And I think that that's really important because then for me, this is where it's all about me, 
is I want to make those connections so that then I can do stories down the line so that then maybe that coach will feel, hey, I know Joanna. I, I've got a good story. You know, maybe I'll give her a call or drop her an email. So for that, it was great. And then just on the other aspect, I took pictures of every, every high school athlete who was there and then put them out on Twitter. And it was really fun. They did, we did a lot of funny poses, and it was just really neat, again, to make that sort of a connection. Well, and that I know that's a good spot for for everybody to, like you said, make those connections. And we hope that uh, maybe some other leagues can uh, pick up on that throughout the state and, and make it easier for for the media throughout Kansas, uh, exposing those teams and getting positive relationships with them. And, and I, as we jump into it here, I, I'd like to get started with with maybe a little a little volleyball conversation, if you can. And and what you feel like the the volleyball will be like in the Wichita area and what teams you see as making strides or continuing success? Well, one of the teams that I think is going to be very different this year is going to be Cape Mount Carmel. That was a team that was one of the best in the state. And certainly, you know, St. James is going to dominate Class 5A. They are so good. And Cape was a special team last year. Sydney Kuhn, she's now at Notre Dame playing volleyball. And they lost a lot of players, so the the strength of the area is going to shift a little bit. But it's not going to it's going to be some teams that were very, uh, you know, the usual sort of teams who are very good. A Bishop Carroll looks really good this year with a lot of returning players, including Taylor Bevis, who's a hitter, and Molly Dugan at setter. Mays High is a team that's you know one of those perennially good teams, just like a Bishop Carroll is, and they also are going to be very good. Kieran Swenson is one of their top players. You know, that's a three-sport athlete right there, and she's going to Arkansas for basketball and for track. She's also a girl who had volleyball offers. That's how talented she is. I also like Derby. Derby is actually a team I'll be writing about uh, next week heading into the season, and they've got a lot of returners. They lost some key players from a year ago, but they had some young kids who got a lot of playing time last year. Kenzie Young is one of those multi-sport athletes. She's getting looks for softball and she's a heck of a libero so I expect them to be very good with Kenzie Brown and Nia Bishop there as their top hitters then you look at Valley Center which is kind of in a transitional sort of a a year I don't know how much they'll actually feel that transition because Brian Otte is no longer their coach and he is such an outstanding coach had an incredible career out at Mound Ridge and then came to Valley Center and really strengthened that program And it's a program that has had really good athletes through the years, and I expect them to be someone to be reckoned with as well. I like Andover. Jalen Agnew is another athlete who's a three-time state champ in high jump, and she's also going to Creighton for basketball. She's going to be the leader on that team for Andover. Well, I think as a trend you kind of noticed there was as we get down to the the 4A and maybe the 3A schools, uh, you notice that the 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 girls competing on those volleyball teams of who we expect to be good are are good in and not just volleyball, basketball, and and some spring sports that they might play as well. You know, I am a huge proponent of the multi-sport athlete for multiple reasons, and the primary one is it helps them. I strongly believe, and I've talked to plenty of, of coaches and athletic trainers who agree with this, is that your body can wear down quicker when you are playing just one sport because playing several sports allows you to work different muscles and you don't even necessarily realize it. And I've also talked to plenty of, of athletes who say, hey, I learned you know, maybe leadership from this coach or this coach was a yeller and this coach wasn't, so I learned how to deal with 
two different styles of coaches. So for me, I think that that makes a difference. And that can happen at any class. And I think you're right. most you're right though. We see it mostly in the smaller classes because, okay, let's take a Brenna Vogel from who graduated last year from Clearwater. She was an all metro player for the Wichita Eagle in softball, volleyball, and basketball. And she's at K State now playing volleyball. If that girl doesn't play two of those sports, those teams are are completely changed. And so for me, it's it's more than just it's a selfish thing of how can I make myself a better athlete. It then also becomes a part of that community and helping your high school community do well. And your thought process is right on with any uh, sports medicine person as well that says, you know, we can't just focus on on one sport for uh, all year round because you got to let your your muscles for that certain sport rest and recover and and use some other muscles. So it, the thought process is right there on, on par, and 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 we hope that more kids will learn to do this not just for enjoyment but just for the sake of of their physical physical being. Um, and as we we kind of transition over to, I guess we'll say another multi-sport, uh, the football side of, of the fall season. Um, kind of take us through, I noticed, you know, if you go to varsitykansas.com, folks, you'll see a complete coverage uh, of the schools in that area of, of what's to come for the 2014 season. But in your mind, what are some some storylines or some teams that jump out at you for this year, just kind of going down the divisions of the AVCTL? Well, you know, the ABCTL is a football league. You know, it was when, when they created that, it was a combination of the Arc Valley, a combination of the Chisholm, Chisholm Trail League, and you could see the Arc Valley, you know, with a derby dominated, and now they put them in with that the Chisholm Trail League, and it has gotten even stronger, and you can go through each division, and you can really just see the strength there. And, and it, what, it, what happens is that you have, you know, you take the Division One. Okay, Derby wins 6A last year. They're, they're going to have major competition this year from Mays High, which is, uh, has dropped down to Class 5A, will be one of the top teams in Class 5A, and Derby and Mays meet week one. You have Salinas South and Salinas Central. Salinas South played for a 5A title last year. Of course, we all know about Hutch, even with a new coach. Ryan Cornelson is an outstanding coach, and I'm actually not sure if they could have picked a better person to fill in that spot for Randy Dryling. So who wins Chisholm, uh, the Chisholm Trail, ABCTL, sorry, uh, Division One? It could be anybody there. I picked Mays, but certainly it could be someone else. Now, if you look in Division Two, it's another tough, it's another tough division. I've got Andover winning it, but I think that Mays South is a team that's really going to push. Eisenhower, you know, they were new last year in their first year and they struggled. I'm sorry, it was their second year, and they did struggle with just a couple wins. I think they're going to challenge for that league title. Then you go down into Division Three, and Bueller's the reigning 4A champ, and they're in Class 4A Division One. and are they the favorite to win? Well, I've got them favored, but McPherson, you know, with their quarterback, Kyler Kinneman, Bueller's quarterback, Jace Williams, that is going to be quite the matchup, and they will meet in district play, which is a, a very difficult district. I, I held back from yes, saying ridiculous because I don't want you to be offended being that y'all are the ones who do the districts, <laughs> but it's a ridiculously tough district. <laughs> hey, high schools change every year, <laughs> That's right? That's right. Well, and, you know, they'll have Hayes in their district, and so there's going to be, well, Abilene as well, but there's going to be one or two teams there that are very good that won't be moving on. Then you go into Division Four, 
And Andale, to me, is the class of that division, even though Collegiate, I think, could challenge for a 3A title. I think Wellington is going to be much improved. They return most everybody. And Andale, though, they were a team that I thought could win it all last year. And they're in Division Two this year, and I think that Division Two and Four A comes down to Andale and Holton. I think that they're far and above everybody else in that in Four A Division Two. So it's going to be very interesting. A lot of really good athletes, a lot of really good coaches, and it's interesting because if you look at the teams that I mentioned, uh, they've all got longtime coaches coaching them. Um, Tyler Ryan over at Wellington is probably the newest coach. In of those top teams that I did mention, Gary Guzman's only been there for a few years, but of course he coached at Capon and Southeast. So a lot of um, success there and stability, which I also think makes a difference. Right, and if if we kind of move more to the city league and, and we look at, at Capon last year, who who put up some amazing numbers uh, offensively and their defense held strong uh, to help help out the cause. Um, we know they lost a bunch from, from that attack, but they do return a quarterback uh, from that team. Uh, so what's the outlook there for the Crusaders? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned them because I'm having a really hard time with picking three, four, and five in the city league. And, and I, Someone's going to make me look really stupid. There's no doubt about it. Because Capen is one of those teams that you're right. They lost a lot of players. But they do return Brock Monty at quarterback, and he turned a lot of heads this summer when he went to various camps. He went to KUK State, both of them twice. He also went to Tulsa. Um, I think he's going to be special, and he's only a junior. They get Colton Ocker back. He was a lineman last year who got hurt in the second game, and they really missed him. That was a special team last year, and their whole goal, and I will be writing about this uh, for – the Sunday before the season, their whole goal is to make sure last year is not just a fluke, that it's not just a one-hit wonder. They want to really be able to continue that and build. But then you look at the rest of the city league, and that, in that 3-4-5 spot, I believe, is West, Capen, and Northwest. West High doesn't play Carroll this year, which benefits them, and they're going to be better than they were a year ago, and they made it to the playoffs. They were 6-3 and three in the regular season before losing in the first round of the playoffs. I, I think that they could be special. Northwest, I think that they're going to turn it around. They're going to be stronger than they were a year ago. The top of the City League, though, is strongly with Bishop Carroll and Heights. And they don't play week one this year, which is, is interesting because it's been a while since they haven't played week one. But it'll be nice to see them play down the line because that will then you know, kind of give us a different glimpse into what they are after they've had a few weeks together playing. But I think, I think Carroll and Heights both contend for a 5A title. Because remember, Heights drops down into 5A. Of course, you know this, Jeremy. Sorry. Right. <laughs> and West moves up to 6A for football. So things change. Their Northwest district is very different than what they used to be. And they were pretty much – they could you know, often struggle through the first six games and then go 3-0 and in district play. So they're really going to have to ratchet up what they can do so that they can qualify for the playoffs. Right, right. Well, you've got a lot of information here, and I encourage folks to go on to varsitykansas.com and, and check it all out. Uh, uh, follow Joanna on Twitter on Friday nights. It, it's something magical almost, all the stuff she can get in one night. But uh, what's your schedule like? I assume you have it all planned out for the season, uh, uh, every Friday or Thursday or Tuesday. We'll, shoot, we'll just throw Monday and Wednesday in there too. <laughs> right. But uh, So tell us what, what the schedule is going to have you – Doing any interesting matchups that you're looking forward to? Well, I, I tell you, there, there's one of the, the real benefits of being in this area is that I have so many to choose from. The negative of that 
is that where do I go? And so, and so you know, week one, uh, I really, really like the matchup of Derby Mays, but shoot, you got Carroll Northwest week one. And that's not only a, a really good City League game, that's a great rivalry. Uh, Derby Mays, I'm fascinated by, you know, is Mays going to come back and, and take it to Derby after losing 62-13 to 13 last year to Derby? I don't know. It's really difficult, and I leave my schedule open from week to week to, to make those decisions. And sometimes I make great decisions on that, the best game. And then other times what you think is going to be the great game doesn't turn out to be that way. Uh, so thankfully we have a lot of other writers who are able to cover those. But my Tuesdays will be spent at volleyball, which is always fun. It's uh, one of my favorite sports to cover, and it's uh, always exciting in the area. So it will be interesting. September will be a little bit slower. You know, once we get into October, Jeremy, we are all so busy. We, I mean, yes, we get is. right into the playoffs, so it'll be fun. Well, and volleyball substate and then football playoffs and soccer playoffs <laughs> will begin before we know it. So uh, uh, thanks for joining us again, and, and best of luck this fall. All right, fall. thank you so much, Jeremy. I encourage everybody to visit varsitykansas.com for uh, news and events throughout Wichita when it comes to high school activities. Uh, they keep a great uh, a grasp on what's going on down there. We now turn to Brent Unruh of the Cacia staff to give us our Sports Minute or Safety Tip of the Week. Every year about this time we start to get calls from schools and officials asking about lightning guidelines and what they should be looking for in terms of suspending an activity. Uh, just recently, uh, the National Federation updated uh, their recommended lightning guidelines, and so as a state association, we did the same. But right now, the two main things to look for in terms of uh, suspending an activity due to lightning is if any cloud-to-ground lightning is witnessed anywhere, uh, that right there is uh, a definite cause for suspension of the activity. Also, if any thunder is heard within 30 seconds of any lightning flash, that's another um, criteria for suspending an activity. So those are the two main things um, as a game administrator you're, you're keeping an eye on and watching. You're obviously also going to want to make sure you're, uh, you know, if you have any type of mobile device that you, where you can look at a radar uh, and keep an eye on the weather that way, it's a good way to know kind of what's coming uh, your way. But once an activity is suspended, um, it's a minimum of 30 minutes uh, before you're even going to consider resuming that activity. And in that 30 minutes, there needs to be no thunder within 30 minutes of a lightning flash and no cloud-to-ground lightning witnessed. So if that happens within that 30-minute window, uh, you're resetting that 30-minute clock uh, before you're even going to consider uh, bringing the players back out on the field. So the main thing really is just to be sure that game administrators and officials stay in constant communication throughout the event when there is a threat of severe weather. It's really the host school's responsibility to have someone designated to watch for potentially severe weather. This isn't something that a coach or an official can be doing during the course of a game because they obviously don't have the time to, to keep an eye on the weather when other things are going on. Just keep the communication lines open. Make sure somebody is responsible to be watching the weather uh, when there is that potential for uh, severe weather out there. And you're never wrong uh, suspending an activity if you have a concern. Even if there's some weather activity going on, but it maybe doesn't fall within the guidelines or the criteria of what's printed, if you've got concerns, suspend the activity, get the players off the field, get the spectators uh, out of there so they can get to some someplace safe, and just always err on the side of caution. Best of luck, and thank you to all of our coaches and officials and school administrators out there who are doing everything they can to keep the kids safe. 
Thank you, Brent. It's important that all athletic directors, officials, and coaches work together to make sure we have a safe environment for the kids, no matter if, if it's outside or inside, for that matter, uh, depending on what the weather is doing. That sound means it's time to meet our featured registered official, and that is Klaus Kolmai out of Wichita, Kansas, soccer official for 25 years. All right, Klaus, uh, thanks for joining us today on the Keisha Podcast. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Pleasure to be here. Oh, uh, you know, before, you know, one thing we wanted to do was just reach out to our Acacia officials and let people, you know, know the kind of lives they live and uh, outside of just being on the field or the court. And uh, Klaus, kind of tell us what you do, do during the day when you're not on a soccer field. Well, when I'm not uh, taking some abuse, uh, I am a hearing officer for the Wichita Public Schools uh, and uh, uh, kind of give you an idea what that is, is uh, schools often would like to bring a child uh, for disciplinary reasons, uh, and they would like to have them reassigned or suspended for a longer period than 10 school days, and subsequently that student, uh, by law, is allowed to have due process, and then they come through my office, and then I make a decision. So it's kind of like a judge and a jury, if you will, and uh, I'm the hearing officer for 51,000 students in the Wichita School District. So you're a judge and jury during the day and pretty much a judge and jury when you're on the field as well. <laughs> and, and you know, I'm glad you said it that way, Jeremy, because I get a lot of that from uh, parents or sometimes uh, others who know me, uh, coaches, if you will, and they say, you know, you take this abuse during the day and then you come and you take it from us. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, it, it's a little easier for you because you've been doing this for 25 years, I believe, doing some soccer officiating for Kansas. Tell us why you do it. Tell us why for 25 years you've gone out there on the soccer field and helped out these high school kids. Well, you know, what's interesting is I coached uh, soccer for 13 years and uh, uh, part of that time also some college. But uh, I've been an educator for 42 years now, and I'm a firm believer that athletics and activities in general uh, make what I would call the whole person, so to speak. Often, uh, you know, we educators, we only see the child in the classroom, and it's so good to see them in a different setting and watch them excel, whether they win or whether they lose, uh, just participating, in my opinion, uh, it, it, it actually enhances, I think, their, you know, confidence and their overall performance in the school. So that's why I love it. I love seeing kids involved in uh, activities. And, and you mentioned your obviously your love for soccer, and and we see that the the schools throughout Kansas have uh, increasingly participated in soccer. Um, what's that mean for someone like you that is that is so close to the game? Well, it's it's my dream come true, and uh, you know I'll tell you, Jeremy, I'll, I'll kind of uh, toot my own horn a little bit. Uh, just last uh, spring, I was given the unbelievable honor of being uh, inducted into the uh, uh, collegiate uh, officials association, and I was the first soccer official to ever be, uh, uh, you know, uh, placed into that elite group. So uh, for me, it was more. I'm not that I'm Mr. Official, if you will, but because of the fact that I've worked very hard in establishing soccer, not just only here in the Wichita area, uh, but also throughout the state. And, uh, you know, I can go back with Gary Musselman and obviously David Cherry, and uh, we've seen this sport come so far 
because I was in on the foundation along with Gary, and you know now we're seeing it with David, who's taken it just leaps and bounds further. Well, and you're correct in that, and you you say how you've been in uh, many different levels of the game, and, and and your induction to the College Hall of Fame. It, it, get, you might have a favorite memory or a story for us, uh, if, if if you could kind of relay that experience for, to us. I'll tell you, I, and I thought about that for a while because uh, it was a question you said you might uh, allude to. Back in 1991, you'll love this, and that's probably before you were even born. Oh, not, uh, not quite, not quite. <laughs> we had a 5 through 1A, uh, if you will. Uh, we had uh, the championship, and it was at Heston, Kansas, on the Heston soccer field. And uh, long story short, Gary, of course, at that time was, uh, uh, you know, was an assistant executive director, and he was in charge of soccer. And uh, at that time, we also played soccer in the springtime, so the weather was just, it was brutal that day. And we had had freezing rain, and when we got there on that uh, Friday to play, uh, all of the fields were, I mean, the field was entirely frozen. So here, Gary and I and coaches... (laughs) are trying to literally uh, pick and, uh, you know, hoe our way through uh, this ice in order to make it playable, hopefully, you know, uh, in the next few hours. It was uh, not exactly what you would say, you know, a totally memorable time, but it was, it showed the, you know, the, the quote-unquote, uh, quote the determination, if you will, of making soccer a part of the state program. Well, that's good, and I, I'm sure the rest of the day with it went on without a hitch. <laughs> Uh, of course, with Gary there, that's always the case. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Klaus, you know we talked about how you've been involved with, with a registered officialist for many years, and obviously, you know, if someone wanted to come to you for advice, you'd have loads of advice to give to them. But what's what's a couple your best tip, or maybe your second best tip of someone you would give that's just starting out officiating? I'll tell you what I would really like to see them do is find a mentor, ask questions. No question is ever stupid unless it's not even asked. Know the rules and have fun doing this. If 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 you're not having fun, then it's you, you know it's you're not doing it. It's sort of like a job. If you're not having fun at the job and you dread going every day, uh, you're going to be miserable and you're going to be you know like a fish out of water. Well, Klaus, that those are a few great things for young officials to understand that people are always willing to mentor you, and I think you hit it right on the head that if you're not having fun doing it, you know, you know, why are you doing it? And so I think that's yeah. important for people to ask. Well, Klaus, uh, thanks for joining us and uh, for taking some time out of your day, and, and we look forward to seeing you this fall. Jeremy, it was a pleasure, and thank you so much. Those that are interested in becoming a registered official, please go to our website and under the officials tab and learn how you can become registered for the sport that you enjoy or the sport that you want to learn more about. All right, Cheryl Gleason joins us now, assistant exec director with the association in charge of volleyball for the false activities and some KOI things that we're going to talk about. Uh, Cheryl, well, thanks for joining us. Um, and one thing we want to talk about is, is your role with the NFHS as the Volleyball Rules Committee Chair, and Cheryl's in her second year of the four-year term as that chair. And uh, Cheryl, just explain to us maybe some the role that you play with the NFHS there and what all that entails as being the Rules Committee Chair. 
Uh, I was served on the Volleyball Rules Committee for four years prior to uh, this appointment, and as the chair, I worked very closely with Becky Oaks, the National Federation Rules Editor, um, in preparing the agenda, in talking about different items that are going to be uh, on the survey uh, for coaches and officials across the country to look at what we might be able to do for uh, high school volleyball. Uh, we're always looking at ways to keep the activity safe, and so a lot of time is committed to uh, making sure that the items that we have out there for the committee to, to um, look at and address uh, is really stuff that's going to be good for the, for the sport and, and safe for the kids that play in the sport. And we talk about safety and that a lot of times safety is brought up when rules changes and this year for the 2014 season we didn't see very many uh, rules changes that directly affect the game more cosmetic but last year was a big year and one of them was uh, signal sequence um, kind of explain how that pr that process has been over the last year changing those and, and yeah. what you see the signal sequence didn't affect the game of volleyball the biggest impact that it had was on the official and uh, their order of giving signals at the end of a point uh, what used to happen is when there was a violation the ball was dead the whistle would be blown the official would give the reason for the violation and then the result uh, which would either be point or replay uh, the change in sequence now allows for the whistle to be blown when the ball is dead, uh, signify the result, which would be either point or replay, and then the reason for the violation. Some of the reasoning behind that was the transition in helping our assistant officials get ready for uh, the next play. If the scorekeeper knows immediately that this team or a certain team gets the point and therefore they're going to be serving, they're already in transition in the scorebook versus in the past having to wait to see what the signal was and then wait. And while that's only two or three seconds, um, it does help a little bit in the transition. The officials last year did a good job of adjusting to that. I think the crowd uh, and the fans and the players and the coaches all understand that. A big concern that I personally had was uh, we want to make sure that we remember we're in educational activities and that we, for, that we learn from our mistakes. And we were very strong and strict in our, our instruction to our coaches and our officials in Kansas that we will still continue to make sure we give the reason for that so we can learn from our mistakes, so to speak. So that was really the big change last year. Uh, the Volleyball Rules Committee, when we met, uh, really agreed that volleyball is in a pretty good place this year. That's the reason for very few uh, changes this year. And as uh, Jeremy just alluded, you know, really cosmetic things, just some things that got cleaned up from the big changes that we made the previous year. Right, and, and if we look ahead maybe to coming years and the game of volleyball, like you said, it's in a good good spot, but maybe there's a few libero changes that may take place. What, what could we see there? We're working right now for the libero player uh, and the uniform rule in 2016. That player is supposed to be recognized on the floor as being different than everyone else. And since the libero player was initiated in 2006, uh, we've had some challenges and issues with team uniforms, and so the committee made the decision in, in 2011 uh, to allow for someone, being either the Libro or the team, to wear a solid colored uniform. And um, that will take place after a five-year period, which the Federation will do. So in 2016, uh, probably the Libro in most cases will be wearing a solid colored uniform top. And that will help the officials, and quite frankly, it'll help the team members uh, be able to understand. Because the Libro has certain I can and I can't kind of rules, um, the, the official really needs to know who that player is because she can't set an overhead set 
Uh, if she's on her in front of the attack line, she can't be a front row player. Uh, however, she can serve. She can be the team captain. Mm -hmm. uh, but that team uniform uh, difference will really be a helpful thing, I think. That's good to know for our schools planning ahead uh, for the coming years in that position. Um, moving on to another thing that uh, the association holds pretty dear, and especially Cheryl, um, with, with the Kansas Association of Youth uh, camp. We just had it in August, uh, KAY. Um, how did that camp go for you this year, and how exciting was it for you? It was a great camp. We had 244 boys and girls in grades 7 through 12 from across the state attend the camp. It's at Rock Springs 4-H Center the end of July, 1st of August. Uh, it's a tremendous opportunity for these young people to discover a lot about themselves. Uh, and yes, it's nice to learn about leadership and service and, and about KAY, but the bigger thing is that they learn about themselves and they get excited about the opportunity to do things for other people, not because they have to, but simply because they get to, and they get to be with their friends, and they get to have fun, and they do make a difference, definitely. So camp was exciting. The kids are, are texting and tweeting and emailing, and we've got a KY Facebook page, and so everything's really still humming pretty good out there. Uh, we're getting ready for uh, conferences in, uh, in November, and they'll see each other again. We have uh, 12 more conferences in the wintertime. So uh, the enthusiasm is pretty high for the kids. Uh, getting ready uh, in a couple of weeks on the 15th to have a sponsor session at Rock Springs, and that's a great opportunity to also motivate the sponsors and try to remind them of the opportunity they have to make a difference with the kids that they have a chance to work with. So it's a, it's a great time. Yeah, kind of just quickly explain what, what a sponsor does and who those people actually are. Sponsors are like coaches. A school will make a decision to have a volleyball team, so they will hire a coach. A school will make a decision to have a KAY program, so they will secure a sponsor. And we provide uh, a handbook of resources, a handbook of service project ideas, leadership training techniques, and all sorts of things for them, just like we provide a rule book for the coaches. We don't tell volleyball schools how to schedule and who to schedule and what to do, uh, and we don't do the same for the KAY program as well. They make decisions on service projects, uh, in their school, community, nation, and world, uh, and the, really the program is theirs, just like the volleyball program. Because we don't have postseason tournaments in KAY like we do in volleyball, that's why we organize a leadership camp, six regional conferences in the fall, and 12 regional conferences in the winter. Well, and that will be going on throughout the rest of the year, leading up to the summit of the program at, at camp, so we'll be looking forward to that. Um, Cheryl, thanks for joining us. Thank you. That will wrap up this edition of the Keisha Podcast. We thank you for joining us, as always, and we look forward to next time. Uh, stay up to date on all the news and announcements uh, via the association, either here or on Twitter or Facebook, and visit our website, Acacia.org. We'll see you next time.